Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And we're we're Identical identical twins. Twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Good morning. Good morning everyone. What a wonderful day of worship we've had. I don't think we need to introduce ourselves. I think you all know who we are. But for the sake of tradition, let's just do it. Yeah, let's do it. Hi, I'm Carrie. I'm Kelly. And And we're we're identical identical twins. twins. (laughs) We actually say that a lot, but it's been a while since we've said it together here. So thank you for inviting us back. Thank you for bringing Him Talk, Twin Talk back. We love to come and talk to you about worship and the scriptures all through the lens of hymns. And basically, that is what our podcast is all about. So we started Hymn Talk, Twin Talk in 2020. And at the time, we had no idea what God would do through the podcast. But we were ready. I can't believe it's been three years. We have 89 published episodes. Yeah, have you heard all 89? (laughs) It's a lot. I haven't even heard all 89. (laughs) Today we are talking about our sermon series. We're continuing the sermon series called The The Mighty Mighty Deeds of of Jesus. Jesus did some mighty deeds. He did. While he was here, he certainly did. Now, in the passages that we'll be reading, he did 10 mighty deeds. And if you've been in church or watching online, you've already heard Pastor Joseph talk about the miracles that showed the authority of Jesus. He healed the leper. He healed the centurion's servant. And he healed Peter's mother-in-law. Today, we're going to talk about one other mighty deed. But unlike the others, this one's different. Today's miracle shows Jesus' authority over creation. Jesus controls the winds and the waves. He's on a boat with the disciples in the middle of this huge storm. The disciples are panicking. They're afraid. Jesus gets up from his bed and he tells the waters and the wind, Peace, be still. Such an amazing story. The Bible says that the disciples marveled at what had just happened. They wondered who this man was who had authority Authority over over the the ocean. Now, over the centuries, people have read this story and experienced the same kind of amazement. Mm -hmm. In fact, musicians and artists, a lot of people who have gone before us, they have been so amazed by the story that they want to put the story into their art. We see songs. We see hymns. We even see artwork where this story is presented. Now, we host a hymn podcast, so of course we're going to talk about the hymns, and there are a bunch that talk, uh, that have to do with this story. Mm -hmm. Maybe Um, you know some of them. Yeah. So one special hymn we did on the podcast, um, it was actually episode 86. So it wasn't that long ago. Was actually called Peace Peace Be Be Still. Still. We didn't know this hymn, but so many of our listeners knew it. It goes like this. The winds and the waves shall obey thy will. Peace be still, peace be still. They all shall sweetly obey thy will. Peace, peace be still. Now another hymn we actually did on the podcast that deals with Jesus' authority over the ocean. We think you probably know this Mm -hmm. one. Eternal Father, strong to save, whose arm does bind the rest. 
mighty ocean deep its own appointed limits keeps. We did that one on the podcast. That was number seven. Way, way back in way the beginning. Back. And we even found a Christmas song that talked about Jesus' authority over the ocean. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the sea with his hand? There are even contemporary songwriters who are still writing songs. People use these Bible stories. It's their inspiration. Mm -hmm. And of course, on Him Talk, Twin Talk, we call this Hymnspiration. So we made up that word. Yeah. I don't think anyone else no, calls it's it It's our that. special little yeah. term. It's yeah. Hymnspiration um, for when hymn writers are inspired by the Bible to create their songs. Mm -hmm. Musicians compose songs. Poets and authors write books. And artists create masterpieces. So one such artist who was inspired by the Bible was a Dutch painter named Rembrandt Harmensoon van Rijn. He's one of the greats, right? We, 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 can practice just, that. we can just go by his first name. Yeah, like all the great artists before him, Michelangelo, Raphael. He wants to be known as Rembrandt. Rembrandt. We mention him today because he painted a very famous depiction of today's sermon text. Mm -hmm. On Hymn Talk Twin Talk, we talk a lot about hymns, but sometimes we explore other topics like travel destinations, the movie, local history, and art. art. It's not surprising that our Hymn Talk Twin Talk research should lead us to a 17th century painter in the Netherlands. Rembrandt was born in 1606, and he would go on to create hundreds of paintings, drawings, and etchings. And many of his paintings depict Bible stories. The Prodigal Son from 1668. He painted Supper at Emmaus from 1648 and Doubting Thomas, back to 1634. Now, we show these few paintings. It's There's just a small fraction of Rembrandt's larger body of work. But it shows how committed he was as an artist to bring the Bible stories to life. So we brings us to this one, one of his most famous paintings, Christ, Christ in, in the, the Storm on the, the Sea of at Galilee. Galilee. I, I don't know how well you can see it, so maybe after worship today, you can look it up online because there's a lot of amazing details yeah. in this painting. Let's just talk about it for a minute. He was a genius storyteller and through his art, we can see exactly what is happening. We see the storm. We see how terrifying it is. We see that the people on the boat are scared and, and panicking. And we even see who Jesus is because his face in this bottom right-hand corner is, is, is glowing. It's lit up a little bit. That shows Jesus and his holiness. Now, Rembrandt's painting isn't just a creative and accurate uh, depiction of today's passage from Matthew. Rembrandt is actually showing us that we are like the men in the boat. Mm -hmm. We get afraid. We experience storms. We cry out to Jesus. And we also doubt him and question him. Rembrandt is showing us that he is like the men on the boat. If you look carefully at the painting and count the number of people on the boat, you would expect there to be 13, 13, the 12 disciples, and Jesus. But there's actually 14. Rembrandt puts himself in the painting. Artists often did this at this time. I always think it's really cool when they do that. But this is especially noteworthy 
because Rembrandt is on the boat and we are on the boat. Jesus is there with us. Rembrandt knew it and he wants us to see it too. So all of these beautiful pieces of art, Rembrandt's painting and the beautiful hymns we mentioned. And the songs. All are telling the story from the gospel. So, so let's read it. Let's read the passage in Matthew right now. Jesus calms the storm. Matthew 8, 23 to 27. What does the Bible say? And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even winds and sea obey him? Now, we can also read this exact instance in the Gospels of Mark and Luke. And even though we're focusing on Matthew right now, it's always a good idea to see what the other Gospel writers have to say. You'll find that other writers include different details, and by reading all of the accounts, you get just a fuller picture of what actually happened. So let's read Mark next. This is Mark 4, 35 to 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let, Let us go, go across, across to the, the other, other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you, do you not, not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, this story also appears in the Gospel of Luke. You can see it three times. And we encourage you to read that story as well, just to see how Luke, the physician, tells it. So the first thing we want to do is focus on the setting. So Jesus was on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. There are many people in our church who have traveled to the sea and could probably tell us all about it. We've never been, no, although we, we'd like to go someday. Yeah, someday. Where's, where's our captain? Where's our captain? Yeah. captain but we do have some pictures to share. So these are the pictures that you're seeing. So the Sea of Galilee is small. It's about 64 square miles with a maximum depth of 141 feet. And we did our research. This Sea of Galilee is just a little smaller than, than Lake, Lake Winnipesaukee. But this small body of water is very unique. It lies almost 700 feet below sea level. And it is bounded by these huge hills, especially on the east side, where they reach 2,000 feet high. So these heights can bring in cool, dry air, but at the surface of the sea, you'll find an almost tropical climate with warm, moist air. So a meteorologist could explain this better, but you know, the warm air the hitting the cold, cold air, air and it creates storms. Storm. Storms. Yeah. So it does, the Sea of Galilee has storms. The fishermen would have been used to storms. Mm -hmm. the, the disciples were fishermen. Right. They were familiar with the Sea of Galilee. 
And, but on this day, when Jesus was asleep, they were terrified. So this is the second thing we want to focus on. This was no ordinary storm. It was a windstorm. Waves were crashing on the boat. Waves swamped the boat. The water was filling the boat. This sounds like a very serious situation. That, sure. that scared even the experienced fishermen. So let's look at some of the Greek words that we see in the text. So in the passage, we see the word animos, which translates to be wind. And then we see kuma, which translates to wave. wave. Cludon is translated to be rough or raging waters. This is dangerous. And the final Greek word that we hear is laylapse, which is a severe windstorm. At its most extreme, it describes the most forceful of weather conditions like a hurricane. So Greek scholars say that when these four words are used together, they are describing a sudden, unpredictable, violent storm. So now we understand why the disciples were afraid. Mm -hmm. All three gospel writers, even though they were details that were different, all three of them said the same thing. We, we are, are perishing. perishing. These disciples thought they were going to die on that boat that day. They were going to perish. perish. So that brings us back to the painting. The storm is so scary that our seasoned fishermen are afraid. Jesus is sleeping through it all, through the laylaps. Um, but he cannot sleep through the disciples screaming at him. So he wakes up in the middle of the storm with the waves crashing, the wind howling, the disciples panicking. And he doesn't say to the disciples, hey, I'm trying to sleep over here. He also doesn't do anything about the weather right away. He says, oh, ye of little faith. He says, why are you so afraid? Where's your faith? When we read this story, we identify with these fearful disciples, mm -hmm. don't we? Rembrandt did. Yeah. We've all been through storms in our lives. We've had times when we felt afraid, and we feel like the things around us would overwhelm us. And we felt that same panic. It's terrifying. Mm -hmm. We're afraid of the medical diagnosis that we're waiting for. Or maybe a bully in school. Or maybe we're afraid to show our parents our report card. <laughs> So when we follow Jesus, it's not that we won't have storms. We still have the storms. We will still have things in our life that, that cause fear. But each of us, each of us, with our storms that we have to live through, we have something that is different from the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And so, so that is the third thing that we want to focus on, what Jesus does. He rebukes the wind. the wind. Another big word in Greek, it is epitomeo. And it was a word used in legal punishment. So, and it carried negativity and disappointment and judgment. Jesus rebukes the wind. Peace be still. Stop. Now we can't do that. We can't control the wind. We can't do that with any of the storms in our lives. Mm -hmm. But Jesus can. And in that moment, he is showing his disciples who he is. He is God. The waves listen and the, the storms listen. And what do the Bible say that his followers do? They marvel at what he did. Mm -hmm. They wonder to each other, who is this guy mm -hmm. that even the ocean listens to him? We don't have to marvel and wonder because we have the whole Bible in front of us that tells us who Jesus is. 
We have the whole story. This man who calms the storm with his hand is Jesus, the Son of God. He has authority over creation. And we put our faith in him. We put our trust in him. Because we know we will have storms in our lives. And only Jesus can calm the storms. That's how powerful Jesus is. But sometimes when we are in the storm, we pray for him to take the storms away. And he does. He says, peace Peace be be still. still. And the storm disappears. But But other times he says to us, peace peace be be still. still. And our fear disappears. Jesus, the powerful, sovereign God over everything, has authority over our creation and over us and our fear. Instead of telling the storms to be still, Jesus may be telling us Us to be be still. still. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide in every change he faithful will remain be still my soul thy best thy heavenly friend through stormy waves leads to a joyful end. So today we are talking about the hymn, Be Be Still My Soul. We were immediately drawn to this hymn because of its peaceful, beautiful melody. It does sort of have a calming effect, doesn't it? And we were drawn to to it because of the word still. still. At first glance, it does seem to come right from our scripture passage, peace be still. But when we looked at the lyrics a little closer, uh, this hymn doesn't tell the ocean to be still. It tells us to be be still. still. It's literally telling our souls to calm down. And isn't that what Jesus does for us sometimes? Jesus can help us in the middle of the storm. Not by taking the storm away, but by bringing peace to To us. us. Be Still My Soul was written in 1752 by a German woman named Katharina Amalia Dorothea von Skegel. The fact that this German hymn from 250 years ago is still around today is nothing short of miraculous. The hymn spans three different countries, Germany, Scotland, and Finland, and over 100 years. Katharina Dorothea von Schiegel was born on October 22nd. She has a birthday coming up. 1697. We don't have much information on her. Nope. Maybe she was connected to a ducal court in Germany. Maybe she headed an evangelical Lutheran nunnery. We're not really sure. We do know that she wrote 29 hymns, and 28 of them are still in German. And this is the one that was translated into English. And we have a woman from Scotland to thank for that. So Jane Laurie Borthwick is the one who translated it. She was born April 9th, 1813 in Edinburgh, Scotland. She worked very closely with her sister. So nice. We love sister partnerships. Mm -hmm. And they worked together to bring German hymnody to Great Britain. 
There was a revival in Germany at this time. The hymns that were written were characterized by faithfulness to scripture, personal experience, and deep emotional expression. And we, when we dig into this hymn, mm -hmm. Be still, still My Soul, a little more, we're going to see these characteris characterizations. Be still, my soul, the Lord is on thy side. Knowing that God is on your side should be the thing that calms our fears. Listen to what Paul says in the book of Romans. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor, nor angels, nor, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the, the love, love of God, God in, in Christ, Christ Jesus, Jesus our, our Lord. Lord. So the first thing to do when we're in the midst of a storm, know that God is on our side. He loves us and we put our trust in him. Then the hymn says to bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. We all have a cross to bear, don't we? The hymn writer says our cross could be grief or pain, but it can be anything. And Jesus says, take up thy cross and follow me. And so we bear the cross, we bear Jesus' suffering, we bear our own suffering, and how do we bear it? Patiently. So on top of being quiet and still, we are now told to be Patient. I mean, how hard it is to be patient mm -hmm. in this day and age. We don't even want to wait for like a, a web page to load. It's, yeah. It just has to be instant, right? And we don't like when we're waiting for our moms and dads to pick us up from school. So when these situations arise, remember, remember the words of the hymn. Bear, bear patiently. So Paul again instructs us in the book of Romans. Rejoice in hope. Be, be patient, patient in, in tribulation. tribulation. Be constant in prayer. And that's what we need to do when we're in the midst of our storm. Feeling all fearful and panicky, we should rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. And be constant in prayer. Now moving on through that first verse of Be Still My Soul, Katharina writes that when we're worried and afraid, we are to leave, leave it, it to, to God. God. He will bring order and provision. In the Bible, David wrote many psalms about the storms in his life and about his reliance on God. Listen. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. In just this one verse of Be Still My Soul, Katarina reminds us that God is on our side. He will be faithful through all the changes. He is our best heavenly friend, and though the way is thorny, he promises us a, a joyful, joyful end. Let's look now quickly at the second verse. The words are in front of you. Let's sing together. Be still, my soul, thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past thy hope thy confidence let nothing shake all now mischief 
Again, Katharina is saying, do not worry, calm down. God will guide the future as he has the past. Oh, this reminds us of another favorite hymn of ours that I know you all know. Because I know he holds my future and life is worth the living just because he lives. But in Katarina's verse 2, she refers back to the Bible passage. Mm -hmm. She writes, the waves and the winds still know his voice who ruled them while he dwelt below. Sometimes in this instance, I think like the winds and the waves, they obeyed Jesus. They were rebuked and they immediately listened. And so we have to ask ourselves, when we hear the voice of Jesus, are we like the winds and the waves that obey? Or are we like the people who questioned and doubted? Jesus was very clear. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the only way to the Father, the only way to eternal life, and the only way to have true peace. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that is when he will say, Peace, be still, and we will listen. Once you put your faith in him, it's not that your life will be easy. It's not that you won't ever have storms. But you will have peace. The Bible describes it as the peace that passes all understanding. You will have peace. Because you know your future. You will not need to worry. You know that you are promised an eternity. Where there will be no more sorrow. No more tears. No more grief or pain. Listen to the prophecy and revelation of the view of heaven. He will, he will wipe, wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Let's sing together the third verse of Be Still My Soul. This verse is all about the joys of heaven. Katharina put her faith in the Lord. She knew the end of her story, and we do too. The promise of everlasting life with Jesus Christ. Let's sing. Be still, my soul. The hour is hastening on. When we shall be forever with the Lord. When disappointment, grief, and fear are gone, sorrow for God, love are past, all safe and
take a look at everything we talked about today. So first, Jesus is God. He has the power to quiet the storm, and he has the power to quiet our hearts. He is always with you. Even in the storm, he's, he's on, on the, the boat, boat with, with you. you. And, and so, we trust him. We put all our trust in him. We trust that he will rescue the perishing. We trust that he has a plan for us. And we trust that we will spend eternity with him. We trust him because he loves us. Jesus loves us. Jesus loves you. Not because of anything you've done or anything that you could ever do. He loves you because of his grace. He pours out his grace freely on each of us. So that we can be called children, children of, of God. God. So, so that, that we can, can be found. Now, do you remember Rembrandt's painting that we talked about at the beginning of the sermon? This that beautiful work of art, this beautiful masterpiece hung at the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston for years. And unfortunately, in 1990, the painting was stolen in one of what is called the most significant art thefts in history. It's been over 30 years since that painting went missing. And there's no sign of it ever being returned. Or the other 12 paintings that were also stolen that day. Most people have no hope that these paintings, these works of art, will be recovered. The paintings are lost, and so are we. The paintings will never be found. Unless but you're hiding them in your basement. <laughs> the paintings won't be found, but we can, can be, be found. found. Put your faith in Christ alone, and the storm will be stilled, and, and the lost will, will be found. Stand with me, and let's sing our closing hymn, Amazing Grace. Amen. Um,